Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Well, welcome to today's program. We have got a lineup for you today that I think is going to be one of those programs that's very educational, informative, and I hope that we can throw a little fun into it, keep it interesting, and making sure that you stay with us because we appreciate the fact that you are listening to today's program. If you have questions, you can send them to Jim, J-I-M, at 901-683-0989, or you can send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Today, our guest that we're going to lead off with, it's an economic update. It's from Rusty Leonard, the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners. He's going to really answer uh, just questions that you've asked that we're all concerned about. In the second half of the program, you got Scott Jordan and Jason Harrington. We're going to look at some timeless tips when it comes to managing money. So stay with us now because you don't want to miss the program. But first and foremost, let me introduce Rusty Leonard, the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest at ours. Welcome, Rusty, to the program, sir. Well, thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Jim. You know, Rusty, it is a pleasure to have you too, sir, because you always do a great job of helping us understand some of these things. That just It's just a, you do a great job of putting it in perspective and helping us go through what we need to learn and understand about what's going on with the economy. Let's start with this question because it's a question I think everybody, it's on their tip of their tongue asking it, and we want to ask it right off the bat. With with the difficulty that we saw in 2022, what would you call a good lesson or two that we should learn from 2022? You know, I think I've been in this business long enough. There's nothing more than I can learn, but I know that's not true. I've experienced a lot, but what would you tell us that we ought to be thinking about in 2022 and learning from that? Well, as you know, as you said, 2022 was a very difficult year and it was difficult for almost all investors. And so uh, people had kind of fallen asleep with the good times that the markets had uh, delivered for really a decade, decade and a half uh, after the 2008 crash, stocks you know pretty much almost always went up. Bonds also were doing well, and uh, just you know you just have to remember as an investor uh, that that's just not reality. It, it doesn't always turn out well. There are always going to be bad years, and you should expect them. You should you know internalize the idea that you're going to lose some money one or two years every now and again and uh, you know be prepared for that mentally uh, and not panic when it happens uh, the other other lesson I would say is don't fight the Fed uh, the, if the Fed is uh, definitely taking a kind of a, a hawkish view where they are raising interest rates and constraining the money supply you know you should you should definitely adjust your investment uh, philosophy to take a take that into account and uh, that would have helped save some of those losses, I'm sure, that some people, many people, if not most people, experienced in 2022. 
Well, so you know, those would be two quick lessons, I would say. I could give you five others if you wanted, but we'll stop there. Okay, but uh, we had uh, one listener that said, you know, that they had lost 18% in, in 2022, and we understand that. In fact, one of the things that I was reading recently, the co-founder of Datatrex, Nicholas uh, Colas, put out something at the very end of the year, 2022, December or something like that, and he talked about five trading days that accounted for nearly – all of the S&P 500 losses. And I thought that was an interesting article. He mentioned, in fact, in fact, four of the five actually occurred in the second quarter, anywhere from April the 29th all the way to June the 13th. And, you know, 3.6, 4%, 3.9, something like that. I mean, does that show something? Does that tell us you missed these five days, you might have a better return? But on the other hand, if it had been on the upside and you missed those five days, you'd have, you know, a lousy return. What do you think about what that kind of movement happens in just four or five days? That was kind of unique. Yeah, well, every every year does have, um, you know, some pretty volatile days in it. Uh, this past year of 2022 certainly had more than your average on the downside, uh, and the size of those, you know, downward swings were quite significant. Uh, but I would caution people not to think in those terms, uh, to try to keep the longer view. There's really no way you can anticipate those days. Um, you know, if anybody, if there's an investor in the entire world who managed to step out of the market on just those five days last year, uh, that I just don't think that person exists. That's just <laughs> impossible. So uh, you really have to keep the long view and try not to play that game. Uh, you may catch one or two of them if you're fortunate, but uh, catching five out of five, not going to happen. Not going to so happen. Just keep the long view. Uh, try to, yeah, it's just not going to happen. As much as you would like to think, you know, we're all geniuses and we can figure this out, you know, ahead of time, uh, it's just not going to happen. But the second quarter you mentioned was really pounded. And that was because that's when the Fed really turned it on. The Fed finally woke up after being in a slumber for most of 2021 when the inflation problem started to really kick into gear. And they just said, well, hey, it's not going to be a problem. It's going to go away. It's transitory. Uh, then they realized, hmm, maybe not. And that's when they really started jacking up the rhetoric, jacking up the interest rates, and making all the policy changes. And so that's why the second quarter of 2022 was uh, the weakest. The Fed was really starting to get active at that point. Do you think, what you talked about earlier, don't fight the Fed, and now that you mentioned that, do you think the war is over now with the Fed? Do you think we're now to a point where, I mean, inflation seems to be coming down? Maybe he's talking about a soft landing. So is the war over and is the soft landing a possibility? It's almost never the reality. Uh, it's always hoped for by investors that the Fed would engineer soft landing, but it almost never happens. Uh, it, and no one should really anticipate that. Nevertheless, that's what investors are anticipating right now. The war on inflation isn't over, but it's, you know, people in their guts, investors in their guts know that inflation's heading down. It's been down six months in a row. Uh, it's heading, definitely going to continue in that direction because of what the Fed has done already. Uh, so, I, in my mind, the war on inflation is not over, but it's, you know, it's in full retreat. Inflation's in full retreat right now, and we can see victory on the horizon. It's kind of like it's uh, late 1943 in World War II or something. You knew the war is going to probably pan out the way you'd like it, but you just have to walk through the process. So, um, so yeah, I think inflation's done, but I, 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 I think what you have to realize is that that soft landing is going to be very difficult to attain. And we're more than likely going to have a recession. And that, the depth of that recession is still to be determined. But we know whenever you have a recession, you see corporate earnings fall off quite significantly. Even a shallow recession leads to a quite significant decline in corporate earnings. And so we could have further downside in the markets, even as inflation uh, cools off. Uh, 
because we see economic growth really uh, you know, struggling to uh, maintain a normal level. So, yeah, I'm still concerned about the markets, even though I'm not as concerned by inflation. All right. So don't fight the Fed. That uh, I like that. Soft landing, uh, probably not going to happen, but, but something. Maybe that's what the Fed tries to orchestrate. Isn't it very difficult? And usually uh, you see interest rates and corporate profits if a recession occurs drop. So the economy is somewhat, uh, you know, you're not too, I don't hear a lot of optimism, optimism from you, Rusty. But I understand that, you know, when the Fed goes through this process, we have to keep, you know, interest rates under control. And what you're, that's what you're talking about. I guess, can the Fed really create a recession when you've got all prices that have come down, I mean, you've got that, you've got this trillion, 1.7 trillion omnibus bill that's going to go into the economy. You've got China pumping money into the economy. I mean, the, the idea of a worldwide recession is, is something you hear on the media a lot, but that's almost like it. You know, there's just so much money going to get going into the economy. What do you take from all of this dollars moving into the economy with that mindset? Well, first of all, I think that you have to view the Fed and try to understand where they're coming from. While they don't want to create a recession, they definitely want to make sure inflation is dead, and they don't want to ease up too early. So the bias for the Federal Reserve, and really for all central bankers, is to overdo it on the inflation fight and make sure that it is you know, dead and permanently dead. You know? So they want to kill it for sure, want to drive a stake through the heart of inflation. So they generally overdo it, which leads to that recession. And uh, while they there's a lot of talk about soft landings, and they, they aspire to a soft landing. They generally can't pull that off. And when the, when the Fed uh, does overdo it, as they typically do in these circumstances, uh, you usually get interest rates falling. So that's what we're starting to see now. We're starting to see interest rates uh, falling. Another indication that the Fed is overdoing it is that the economy is slowing, demand for money is reduced, and interest rates are, are declining. So most people would say falling interest rates, well, hey, that's great, right? But if you also uh, if that's accompanied by falling corporate profits, it's not so great for investors. Uh, it may be great for uh, people who are buying a house because their mortgage rates come down from those very, very high levels. But uh, generally speaking, it's bad for the economy overall. And so we are seeing layoffs you know, uh, across the economy, particularly in high-tech, good-paying jobs. Uh, Microsoft today announced 10,000 layoffs. Amazon has laid off people. Uh, really, throughout the tech sector, we have a lot of layoffs uh, place. And these are good jobs. And some people are going to find themselves in, in quite a pickle. So they won't be spending as much money. And that's going to contribute to the slowdown in the economy. Uh, and as you said, offsetting this, though, are a few other things. One, oil prices have come down a lot from the spring of last year. So that's like a tax cut to the average Joe. So that's helping a little bit on the margin, helps for that soft landing uh, scenario. And then uh, while we don't like it, uh, it nevertheless has happened. And that's that omnibus bill you mentioned. $1.7 trillion of additional government spending. Well, the Fed looks at these things and they say, oh, that's, an, that's another reason why we need to you know, really stick to this inflation fight because the overspending by the federal government was one of the things that led to the inflation breaking out in the first place. So, so they looked at that omnibus bill and they said, oh, we got to keep rates high and keep them higher longer. So there's, uh, as always, there's a you know, constant uh, mixture of events and uh, things that are happening in the economy that are hard to sort out and harder than ever, really, uh, to sort out right now. But I think from my perspective, I think the, it's wisest to stay on the uh, path of 
hey, this market's got some real barriers ahead of it. And even though it's gotten off to a fast start at the beginning of this year, it could easily give up a lot of those gains very quickly as the corporate profit scenario uh, really starts to kick in on the negative side and people start saying, hey, this is not good. Earnings are down. Dividends will be cut, so on and so forth. My guest, Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. He's on our program a lot. We appreciate what he does. He's talking about some economic updates, the whole idea behind what are we anticipating for 2023? We've talked about the fact that we don't fight the Fed, that the Fed's trying to control hyperinflation. It's coming down. Uh, unemployment is still low. Uh, recession, yeah, probably. Uh, we, you know, putting a lot of money into the economy, but I guess, Rusty, at the end of the day, uh, you're still cautious, and I, and I sense that. It, look, you know, so let me throw in kind of a scenario here. If you're, we're cautious in the U.S. I've I've heard talk about this, and I mentioned it earlier, world recession and and a worldwide recession, and and I'm thinking, it just, I mean, I, I really find that to be a struggle. Let's look at Europe, just. Looks like Europe, I mean, the warmest winter they've had in years. And, I mean, they're going to avoid some type of a energy disaster, it looks like. So what do you think that does to the financial market and to this, quote, unquote, worldwide recession? Yeah, first of all, I'd say God is, is good. He has been kind to these people in Europe. Amen. They could have easily been in a you know frigid cold winter. And they could have been in real, real serious trouble. So, so far, so good on the European front. And that is helping their overall economic performance as well. Uh, I mean, it could have been pretty cataclysmic if they had to shut down uh, industry in order to preserve the remaining fuel to heat homes, right? So they could have really had a, a kind of a COVID-like experience um, where they had to shut down big sectors of the economy. So that doesn't appear to be happening. Um, we're not quite sure what's going to happen next winter, right? There's still some questions outstanding about that. But right now, uh, Europe is doing much better than expectations, right? Uh, so that's a very favorable development. But it still faces this global recession situation. It's, that can't be denied. And that's something that uh, with you know, Europe exports a fair amount of stuff, particularly Germany, which is the biggest part of Europe economically, to China. And China's trying to, you know, it's it just reported very uh, weak economic growth because of COVID and, and just because they managed their economy so poorly uh, in so many different ways. But they, I'm concerned about China in that they seem to be kind of going back to some of the things that caused them problems in the first place. Uh, for instance, they're overstimulating the uh, property market there. And they created, you know, the, probably the biggest bubble the world's ever known in Chinese property. Uh, several years back, they've been trying to deflate that bubble without causing a calamity. It is, is leading to very poor economic performance for them. But now they're kind of going back and saying, well, let's just pump it back up again. That's not going to be a, a successful long-term strategy. And I, I worry that any kind of short-term benefit will be more than offset by concerns about the long-term as that uh, property market is still uh, pretty much, you know, it's, the bubble has deflated some, but not that much. And there could be still a calamity of, you know, debt going bad in the Chinese uh, economy as a result of really foolish policies on the part of the government towards the property sector. Yeah, that makes and a that lot of sense. Europe. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let me, I guess my last question for you, and I always close with this question. It's kind of one of those thoughts. I want to always uh, get you out there and, and <laughs> help me understand this. It's always important. If you just tune in, I'm talking with Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Council. And Rusty, the last question, the future. 
2023. It's hard to predict, but is this one more difficult than most? Or is this, what are you seeing with 2023? What are you, what can you leave us with? Yeah, I w- like I said, I'm, my my point of view right now, and it is hard to predict. Obviously, predicting the future is a dangerous game under any circumstances. But it is particularly hard uh, this year because you have uh, a whole lot of cross currents going across the globe. As I said, the Fed in the U.S. is still putting its you know has its foot firmly on the brakes and will likely leave it firmly on the brakes for you know, a considerable period of time, because even though we see inflation improving, it's still three times the level that the Fed wants it to be. So they, they're they going to keep that foot on the pedal uh, for a while. So that's a negative uh, force. They are also uh, perhaps even a, a more negative force that doesn't get enough attention is the money supply. The Fed, for the first time ever in 2022, the money supply contracted. And it, that's probably going to continue into 2023. And if there's less money in the system, you should view that as like less blood in your bloodstream, right? So you're probably not feeling as healthy. So the Fed's got some some real breaks on the system. Uh, meanwhile, you have China, who's got political issues uh, as a result of their slow growth. And they're trying to overdo on the stimulus side of the equation. And that, since they're the second largest economy in the world, that has an impact across the globe. But you know, those are not necessarily the most sensible policies. They may be at a point where they really are coming unwound, but it may take a little while before that happens. There'll be the initial benefit from those policies uh, of the money being thrown at at the problem, but then sooner or later, the you know the consequences of making bad decisions will eventually impact not only China but the entire world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and there's a ton of other. Uh, I know we don't have time to go into all the different cross currents. But uh, there are lots of cross-currents here, and it's really hard to disentangle them. Uh, If everything was going in the same direction, it would be much easier, right? But we have different policies being pursued by different major economies, uh, different interest rate policies, different money supply policies, different all kinds of real estate policies. And so uh, it's not easy to disentangle it. And there's another risk out there that I'd like to bring up very quickly. And that's Japan. And Japan has done some really weird stuff over the years to try to uh, get out of a deflationary environment. And it is now – it's too complicated to get into, but they use something called – what they're using right now for monetary policy is something called yield curve control. And it seems like that's becoming untenable. And as that breaks down, that could have some ramifications across the globe too. So that's something that is a little too hard for me to uh, un, you know describe to people in a very short period of time. But be on the alert that there could be some monetary policy issues in Japan that have global ramifications. Wow, that's, um, that's you know, that's why Better I always <laughs> like having you on the program. You uh, deliver the news, good and bad, with an understanding that it's all part of a long-term strategy. We're not throwing this together for next week. We're looking at it long-term and understand that the market does go through upheavals. So, Rusty, you did a great job for us, sir. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. And, we'll hey, you know what? I wouldn't mind coming back and talking about that Japan because I think that is a big issue. We have a tendency to kind of let Japan uh, pull out some things, and that's pretty important for us to know. So I'll just get you obligated for that in the near future, sir. Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs> we appreciate good. you, man. All right. All right. If you just tuned in with us, just remind you that we are have been talking with Rusty Leonard, and I'm going to ask Scott Jordan and Jason Harrington. They're both in the studios. There's Scott. There's Jason. I'm Jim, and we're going to get involved in just a second. Let me ask you this. Just You got 30 seconds. What did you hear, Scott? 
Well, I heard a lot of uncertainty, and, I, and I'm hearing that across the board with a lot of economists and money managers that we talk to. There's a lot going on, like Rusty said, a lot of cross-currents. But I think, again, you, you come back to those fundamentals. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty, but that's why we diversify. There's a lot of uncertainty. That's why we, we don't put all our eggs in one basket. We like to be spread across uh, different asset classes, different sectors, and, and that's always been our long-term strategy. And again, I think it still uh, bears repeating that we want to stick with that long-term strategy that we've put in place, you know, and not let these current events or the current uncertainty derail that long-term plan because that investment strategy needs to be tethered to that financial plan. And again, just remind everybody, just because you diversify, just because you go out and do some long-term uh, planning, it doesn't always mean that you're going to be, you know, it's going to create a positive return. The market is the market. So it's not a not a guarantee. Come back with us in just a minute because we're going to be talking again with these guys. We're going to cover fundamentals of investing and investment pitfalls that you need to avoid. That's Scott Jordan and Jason Harrington. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. My guests, Jason Harrington and Scott Jordan, we're talking about in this segment of the program some investing fundamentals that we all need to be aware of and investment pitfalls that just literally can just blow an investment plan out of the water. We're going to cover that. But first, Scott, I just want to ask you, when you think about what Rusty Leonard was saying in our first segment, what do you think about that? I think he, he had a cautious tone in his voice, but but also, you know, a lot of opportunities out there. I think that, you know, when you look at this environment that we're in right now, yes, there are a lot of challenges, but those challenges bring with it a lot of opportunity. That's why we always look toward a professional management team to go out there and look at companies and, and get us invested in a way, you know, well-diversified way that we're in companies that have a history of being able to weather these types of uncertain environments. And that's why, again, going back to those fundamentals, just asset allocation, diversification, and keeping that portfolio rebalanced. And I think that's critical for everybody to know. Those are fundamentals that just happen because that's part of any plan. And when we talk to Rusty, we're talking to Rusty because he's the managing the dollars. Right. He's the guy that's actually somebody we would hire to be a person to do just that. But I want to remind everybody, just because you're dollar cost averaging, just because you're rebalancing, just because you're diversified and you're allocating money differently, does not guarantee that you're going to have a perfect 
return on a portfolio because the market is the market. And so we just accept that. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to be absolutely successful. It just is a fundamental that is a part of any long-term strategy. You made a strong point the, uh, also about uh, trying to predict these ups and downs. Like, you know, you asked him a question like about his future outlook and trying to predict it and the impossibility of that, which leads again to something that a lot of people need to hear out there, especially with what we experienced in 2022. There's a lot of people asking questions around, well, what do we need to do? Is Do we need to move? Do we need to do something else? Do we need to try to reposition our money uh, and other things? And, you know, I think he his you know, questions and his answers led a lot to what Scott's saying about just, you know, stay in the course, understanding what you own uh, and how it's supposed to react in these markets. And I think the, another thing that he said that, that really hit home is, is to expect these types of bad times. This is not unusual for the market. You know, yes, last year was tough because we saw both stocks and bonds get hit pretty hard. But again, we've been there before. And as a long-term investor, you have to expect these difficult years. If you're derailed because of these difficult years, you're never going to be able to invest in a way that's going to help you hit your long-term goals. So, you know, when you go into an investment strategy, expect that there are going to be down years and they're going to be difficult. I think that's important for us to say. And I, again, let me just repeat this. When you think about it, neither asset allocation or diversification guarantees against loss. And I guess that's what I want to make sure people understand. There are methods that we use on a day-to-day -day basis to manage risk. Manage and I risk. think yep. that's important for us to be sure it's not a guarantee and to just do it and it's a part of the fundamental long term. Also, if you're investing, we talk about maybe the investment of the S&P 500. It's an unmanaged index. It's 500 large cap stocks. And, of course, everybody knows that you cannot invest in an index. Let me ask this question. This is a question from Dolores. Did a great job. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask it to the best I can from this standpoint. It's, uh, it's about Social Security. She, she was a victim of pandemic. She decided she would retire. She said about 60. She was 62. Uh, she didn't want to. She was part time. She said, I had an opportunity to go part time and get my Social Security. Well, the company has called her back and has offered her a management position. And she is going to take that management position. And she wants to know, great question, I think. Can I pay back or what do I do? I don't want to continue to take my Social Security because she's going to be making too much money. It's going to be taxed. She feels like that's a negative. What can she do? And her question, can I pay it back? Well, the answer to that is, is to a lot of things. It depends. So with, with Social Security benefits, she would be able to turn around and stop those benefits if she was within a 12-month window. So okay, 12 months, meaning 12 months from the time she started? She turned the to benefits today. on. Correct. If she's within that first 12-month period, she can withdraw her Social Security benefits and withdraw that election to start those now. The downside of that is she would have to pay back all the benefits that she's received to date plus anything they might have withheld for Medicare premiums or income taxes. So you do have to turn around if you want to make that election and pay that all the way back to when that, when it started. Okay, so the reality is she can do it, but she's got to pay it back, and it has to be within that 12-month period from the time she started 
to today or whenever it is. It does, and, and I don't know if Dolores is getting at this, but there is an income threshold when you take Social Security benefits early. You know, if you're not at full retirement age, let's say you start benefits at 62 and you are continuing to work, there's a certain income threshold, and that's indexed every year. And if you make over that amount, they do reduce your Social Security benefits. And that's that exactly pay. what she was talking about. They were reducing it. Yes, and, and that, you know, the, the flip side of that or the upside to that, if you will, or the silver lining is that you will eventually recoup some of that that they withhold from you because they will recalculate your retirement benefit when you reach full retirement age and take into account that they they held some of your benefit back because you were making too much money. So eventually you you should recapture most of that, but it is a downside of taking the Social Security benefits early if you're going to continue to work. Great answer, Scott. Great answer to Dolores' question. Reminds you that if you do have a question for us, all you need to do is call us and it's simply just, you know, call us on the the, the uh, text line, and that's simply type in Jim, J-I-M, to the text line, 901-683-0989, or you can send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Jim is J-I-M to the text line, and the number is 901-683-0989. And we have one more question. Mike heard us talk about previously this past Wednesday when we did the show in the morning news, uh, guys, with uh, Ditch and uh, uh, Tim, we were talking about uh, the five bad days in 2022. Kind of mentioned that a while ago when we were talking to Rusty. And he comes back and he says, are they going to be, I love his question, it's an honest question, five good days in 2023. I would say yes. Now, how good and to what magnitude, I have Can no I idea. But, but yes, there will be good days and bad days in, in 2023, just like there were in 2022. But I think the important lesson that is to be learned there, you know, it goes back to that you know, can I time the market? Can I get out of the market before those bad days and try to get back in the good days? So hard to predict that. Uh, nobody that I'm aware of has been able to do that consistently throughout time to always time the market right. So we always say it's time in the market, not timing the market that leads to long-term success because, yes, five days accounted for a lot of the losses last year. But if you look throughout history, there's a few days within years that also account for a lot of the upturns. And those are usually clustered closely to a lot of those bad days. So a lot of times you see that some of the worst days in the market are followed by some of the best days very closely. So our advice is always, yes, it would be nice if you could avoid that pain of those downturns, but very difficult to do in reality. So just stay in the course, staying invested, not getting out of the market so that you can be in there when those good days come along in 2023. Don't know when they're going to happen, but we I'm, I'm pretty certain we will have some good so days. So what we're saying to Mike is yes, yes. yes. <laughs> the answer but, is yes. But you just have to stay invested because nobody can actually predict when they're going to be. In fact, those five bad days, if you look at it, Four of the five occurred in the second quarter of last year and uh, it averaged about 4%. So it can be pretty brutal. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what we have to look at. You know, the market always reacts to new information as it comes along, but people are so unpredictable. That's what makes the market so hard to time is, 
you may think people would react a certain way to a certain piece of information, but you and I know this, Jim, because we look at the market a lot. Sometimes you think something is a positive piece of news, and yet the market's down that day. It's just hard to explain or hard to predict exactly how people are going to act in the short term. It gets a little easier over the long term, but those short-term swings are hard to predict. Well, well said, sir, well said. And I want to talk about successful investing. And here's the bottom line is that's really what we're trying to help you understand. Our listeners, if you just tuned in, we're talking money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. That's Scott Jordan. That's Jason Harrington. We are here to guide you through this whole idea of how you focus on an investment strategy that works for you, whether it's your 401k plan or you're saving for college education for the grandkids or the kids or whatever you're doing. There's some common mistakes and things that you just want to avoid when it comes to, you know, investing. And it requires discipline. It requires patience. And I think last time I checked, most of us don't have a lot of that in most cases. Now, that's some that's not speaking for everybody around the table, but I know for one of us, that's a struggle. Discipline and patience. So, Jason, let's start with this first one because you really talk about this a lot that, you know, and you both of you can kind of chime in on this, believing that investing, and this is a mistake for a lot of people, is a smooth ride. Yeah, I think the, for folks that that believed that, certainly 2022 probably has changed their mind a maybe bit. Maybe burst that bubble. Yeah, maybe huh? bust that bubble. But, you know, nonetheless, it is uh, a, an ongoing thought process for investors to you know, have this linear thought that my, my put money in an investment and it just, every year I come back and look and it should grow and that's what should happen. And, you know, that is a mistake to go into a long-term investment strategy with that thought process. It's just believing that this is not going to be bumpy and it's not going to go up and down. Up and down in the market is a very normal process to making money over the long term in your investing. Um, when you don't see those smooth rise, there can be this natural temptation. I mean, we're humans and, uh, you know, we're, we're wired internally to try to fix things. And so there can be this temptation when the market's doing what we've seen it do in 2022 and what it may possibly do here in uh, 2023, according to some of the predictions out there, is to go in and try to fix it. And let's go try to do something. Let's move around. Let's make changes and let's uh, kind of turn over our portfolio here to something totally different. Uh, and that can be one of the biggest mistakes that you make is trying to make changes and move away. When For your listeners out there that are invested in mutual funds, they may be sitting there thinking uh, that their investment advisor is is not doing anything because they're not calling them on the phone and, and telling them, hey, we need to sell, sell, sell right now. Uh, that's, that's something that maybe television or movies has uh, perpetuated out there, this thought process that that's kind of how that relationship works. But these guys are investing in money managers that whereas you can't see it as the end user investor, they're out there making those moves. I think that's critical for us to, to, to really talk about because I think, you know, preparing for a decline is simply saying, I know it's going to happen. We kind of talked about that. So I've got it mentally and not running and, you know, to the hills. I mean, just staying the course, being strategic uh, make it a good, solid investment approach that you're working with. And sometimes that can be the part that's difficult to design is what is my investment approach? And Scott, you talk about it. You said it earlier. Don't time the market. That's an investment approach that you say, you know, some people that's approach for them. They say, I'm going to time the market. We're saying that can be, we, it can be dangerous. We've done that as a firm. We actually, back in the eighties, 
hired a couple of outside people that were going to be, you know, very strategic, very analytical, and they did a very good job for about three or four years. And all it took was a couple of those whipsaws that really can eat it up, and it just crumbled. And it, it, we still see people talk about it, but we've watched over the long haul that strategically not timing the market is important. Yeah, and, and, you know, and a lot of those those timing mechanisms, again, are, are based on some very solid mathematical research that, that when you look at it in a theoretical sense, makes all the sense in the world. But it goes back to the behavior of people is so hard to predict, and those models don't do a good job of really doing that. And that's why, again, I haven't seen a, a successful investor that times the market repeatedly. You may get lucky. Uh, anybody can get lucky a few times or a time or two, but it's hard to consistently figure out how to time the market to get your returns. And by the way, a more disciplined patient approach usually leads to better results anyway. That's if you a look great at, point. If you look at the last, you know, say 20 years, um, if you would have invested in just that index you referenced earlier, the S&P 500, uh, which is just an unmanaged index. If you invested $100,000 in that, you would have grown to $324,000 if you right. just left it and sit. Um, if you missed those five good days that we just tried, that you just uh, predicted will happen in 2023 here, Scott, but if you just missed five of the best days over a 20-year period of time, your investment would only be $214,000. So it's a $100,000 swing and just missing five of the best days. Uh, and you look at that predictability of when those five days were, Impossible. a lot of those five days were happening when the news was bad. Exactly. You yeah, know, it goes back to the market reacting differently sometimes than you think it's going to. And, and I also want to point out, think about what all you had to ride out and go through over those 20 years in order to get that return you were talking about. That's right. It, it's not an easy process. It's very difficult. Think about what you've had to go through over the last three years, much less sure. the last 20 years. It's been, it's been a difficult ride. It, it's always been a difficult ride. I always tell people that is generally what you get rewarded for. Being patient, sticking with that plan through the ups and downs is, is what the market rewards you for. And again, we had our, uh, our director of investments here on this show not too long ago. And I remember him saying that, you know, 83% of some of the bull market beginnings happened when the news and the economy was in a recession. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's just, that's astonishing to me to, th to think that when everything looks a little bleak, the market, those money managers out there are, are doing an enormous amount of work for our investors. They're out there trying to help our clients you know, make money. That's what they're paid to do. Well, they're Absolutely. professionals. And the reality is our emotions, if we're not a professional, can take over and we can get out when we should be getting in. Exactly. Yeah. One of the one of the things that we'll talk about here, uh, you say getting out when we should be getting in. One of the mistakes is is trying to follow that good investment or to sell out of that good investment too soon. And I, I think a, a money manager once said that if you follow a good investment over three or four years, and you decide that it's, you know, now is the time to get in. One of the, the most absolute things you can know is that you should have bought it three or four years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, just trying to, to predict and follow Absolutely. these trends in the market uh, when you should be just buying good managers, investing in them, uh, you know, and watching how they perform over time will be your win. 
To find a copy of the PDF that we're talking about, I want to remind you, it's called Investment Pitfalls. Go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document in our post. It's absolutely free. It'll keep you from making some of these mistakes, and that's what we want to help you do is just simply, as you look at 2023, what are some things that you can do to allow your portfolio to do what you're wanting it to do a long term? These are pitfalls that all of us are susceptible to. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that we say, never me, that all of a sudden you got the market and it talks to you and it talks to you sometimes at two o'clock in the morning. What we're trying to do is to help you get rid of that two o'clock in the morning phone call from the market. Yes. <laughs> you know? No, I, I've been in this business for 22 years and I still get some of those. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. phone, phone call. Not literally a phone yeah, call. Not a I know phone people call. know that. But it's where you wake up and that's what's on your head, especially. And that's what we're trying to talk about. So let me ask you this now. This is one, and, I, and I'll go to you, Scott, with this, both of you, either one of you. Uh, sometimes it's taking too little risk. I mean, you kind of got singed or burned and they get that. And so you kind of back away, and that can be a terrible pitfall. Well, this goes back to having your investment philosophy or your investment strategy tethered to a financial plan. When you when you know what you're trying to accomplish, you can put some numbers around what kind of rate of return that you need to earn in order to hit your goals. What is What do I need to earn on my assets in order to be able to provide my retirement income would be a good example of that. And you know, there can be a sense where people get too fearful and they take too little risk. Let's go back to what I said when I was talking to Jason earlier, that you get rewarded for that volatility. That's how you earn that return. So you have to have exposure to those quote unquote risk assets in order to get those types of returns. So there can be a sense of where, you know, you take too little risk and you don't earn the returns that you need to hit your goals. And that, by the way, is another risk. I think, you know, you, you market risk is one risk when you're talking about investing for whatever goal, but there's also the risk of not hitting the goal because I didn't invest my money in a way that had a high probability of giving me the returns that I need to hit that goal. That's a great point, Scott. And I think what happens to us is that risk mindset almost takes over. Now, Jason, I want to ask you this question. When you talk about a pitfall, kind of tying into what he's saying is, you know, going through this idea, don't let you so get too little risk oriented. But what about the person, a pitfall, again, that focuses more on returns and then then managing their risk? They just kind of throw out the risk factor and that can be a pitfall. Absolutely. I I see this happen uh, primarily uh, in 401k investments, um, where when a, a, an employee is out there and it's time to select their 401k uh, lineup and to allocate their 401k, typically they'll get a sheet of paper that will give them some return, you know, last year return data. Um, and so you'll see a lot of people out there that will select their 401k allocation based on last year's return data. Um, and, uh, with, and the next thing, you know, you see their 401k and it may be wildly allocated toward a very risky, uh, portfolio. Um, and they're just not built for that. And they love that investment strategy when the market is going up, everybody loves the market when it's going up. Uh, but as we have discussed here over the course of this last hour, the market is going to go down some. And when they start to see the impact of that risky investment, when the market goes down, uh, it starts to get a little bit uncomfortable for them. And they realize that their uh, portfolio is allocated to a risk tolerance that just doesn't fit uh, their personality or doesn't fit their comfort level. They're getting way too many of these, you know, quote unquote, 
2 a.m. market calls. They just have a lot of uneasiness about a long-term investment. And Scott has referenced several times being tethered to a plan. I mean, when you're investing money, there ought to be some uh, empowerment and some excitement about what you're doing for you and your family over a long period of time. You shouldn't have these uh, 2 a.m. concerns. I think that's a I think that's a great point. So let me summarize this. You guys are, are do a, did a great job. We're talking about pitfalls, investment pitfalls. You can go to the Shoemaker Financial Foot Facebook page, search for the document. It's absolutely free. It's a PDF. Let me throw both of the I want you both to answer this question. It's so easy to want to do it yourself. But that's a big pitfall when it comes to investing in just really legitimate investing. Avoiding professional advice, that's a danger. Well, and there may be people out there that that works extremely well for. I, I don't want to say that that it's not something that you can do yourself. I just think that looking at most people, they tend to have more successful outcomes by at least working with an experienced guide. And that goes back to that emotional behavior uh, stuff that we were talking about earlier. Just having somebody that's been through this that is experienced can keep you on track. To hold your hand. Well, if we just go back and look at what Mr. Leonard said earlier in the in the conversation, the amount of things to look at and to consider uh, in his segment, he mentioned several things to consider, and it takes someone who's looking at that on a day-in and day-out basis. And most people, generally speaking, don't have that kind of time. Great job, guys. I just want to thank both of you. If you want to talk to these guys, simply give them a call at 901-757-5757. That's Jason Harrington and Scott Jordan. Also, you can find our show Talk Money on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe. We appreciate it. You can catch the rest of this program. If you missed part of it, just go back to and look, listen to it on Talk Money on the Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. If you have questions, type them to Jim, J-I-M, to the text line, 901-683-0989. And if you'd like a copy of the PDF that we mentioned and talked about investment pitfalls, Go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page. Search for the document. It's in our post. It's absolutely free. Next week, Steve Anderson, update on the market. We're going to continue to drive this home because there's so much that we want to cover. And Drew Johnson and Scott Jordan are going to walk us through bonds and stocks and why you put it in your portfolio. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 9 a.m. That's a repeat. Thanks for our producer. We done a great job for us. He's Tyler Springs. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong and Kimberly Holtis. Thanks for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.